Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. everyone and welcome to episode 158 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Monty, a Modern Classrooms mentor and middle school science teacher. And today I'm joined by Sarah Howard, who is a high school science teacher and also an MCP mentor. How are you today, Sarah? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to be in a space with you. And thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast. We are always super appreciative of those people that, you know, come on and talk to us uh, about their area of expertise. Um, So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started on your MCP journey. Sure. So I've been implementing MCP. This is my third year now. Um, I found MCP during the pandemic. I had read Grading for Equity by Joe Feldman, and I really liked the ideas and the policies in terms of like equitable grading. And it's also a very kind of like theory-based book. And so I was trying to find a way to make it really functional for me within our kind of school system and happened upon MCP. Can't remember how I came across it, but that was like the click for me of like, this is how I can actually kind of like live the values that I want in education. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been doing it for almost three years now and it's really changed my life as an educator. So I'm, I'm excited to talk more. Yeah, I, I agree. I think MCP definitely is part of the reason why I'm still a teacher today. Um, I, I don't think I would still be a teacher if not for MCP. So I'm also just grateful that I happen to be in the right place, right time, um, you know, when learning about modern classroom. Um, you know, shifting a bit to blended and self-paced mastery-based learning, um, this can be extremely overwhelming and time-consuming in the beginning. How do you strike a balance between teacher-graded and automated grading methods in your classroom to have a better work-life balance? Yes, I I can I found that switching can be a ton of front loading and it can be a lot of work to like set up the videos and and plan out lessons and units. So um in terms of the grading piece, I had already found like I said I kind of started this during the pandemic and we had kind of drastically reduced what we were grading already because we were worried about cheating and just access and all that kind of stuff. So when I actually started implementing MCP and it had like the mastery check format and that was a big piece of it for me was just reducing the amount of grading so that I could focus on giving more valuable and like informative feedback to my students. I found that when I was grading less of their like notes and homeworks and stuff like that and focusing on the mastery checks and the formative assessments along the way and then the summatives, um, One, it made my life easier because I didn't have to grade as much. And two, I found that when I was giving feedback, the students actually wanted to listen to me more because it it was not coming as often, like from me specifically. And so that was always really nice. Like it was always a pain when I would go back to like a traditional class that I hadn't switched yet. And I was like grading and I was like, nobody's going to read my feedback that I'm giving because they just care about the numbers and all that kind of stuff. So switching to having like conferences and getting to talk to kids about their feedback was super valuable for me. 
And then I think on the other side of like the automated piece, um, I use Google form like self-graded warmups to give kids quick checks for understanding every day on the content. And then like their play posits have the embedded interactive questions that give them checks on that. So I think kind of automating the like knowledge or fact-based like Mm -hmm. checks for understanding can help so that I have the time and space to give them more in-depth feedback about the understanding and the concepts and like have those conversations around mastery checks and that sort of thing. And so what would you say the key advantages are of using automation for grading? Um, and where do you see limitations? I think kind of like I was saying, so advantages being that I'm able to give students really quick feedback um, and they don't necessarily need me during the self-pacing for that. Like they don't have to wait on me to mm-hmm. grade notes or homework like their warmups, they're able to just really quickly see if they are getting something or not. Um, And then obviously, like it's less work for me if I'm not having to sit down and grade outside of class. I found that with switching to MCP, I'm able to do almost all of my grading in class, which is really awesome because I'm doing that one-on-one with kids. And then I think limitations is that you're not getting eyes on the student's progress necessarily if you're automating it and uses like using formative or Google Forms or kind of programs to grade. But I also think that there's a, you can balance it pretty easily of like, kind of like I mentioned before, having the the automated grading for the facts and kind of like easy quick checks and then being able to spend more time with students and like actually get data on them or focus on the content that isn't just vocab based maybe. So like things that actually need my teacher expertise to to understand if a student is really understanding. Um, but I also think to kind of turn that into a pro, like depending on how you track the data, right? Like, so if you're really good at using the Google form data or you can export it into the cool like AI tools that there are now, um, you could probably still turn a lot of that, like not having eyes on the student data into a, a pro if you're able to use it and track it correctly and stuff. Definitely. Um, I think for me, one of my greatest limitations is just, you know, sometimes in science, I feel like automation definitely lends itself more to, you know, close end questions that are, you know, easy for the the Google Forms or formative or whatever the platform is to grade it. And so sometimes I find that I want to go a little bit deeper than that or use those open ended questions. And so those tend to just be a little bit harder to do with um, automation. And so sometimes finding the balance between like, all right, I'll let the system grade these versus, you know, maybe asking this type of question. Um, I find that I'm definitely still struggling trying to find that uh, true balance there. Yeah, 100% agree. Yeah. So outside of you, you mentioned that you use, you know, Google Forms and whatnot. Um, Can you share, you know, other examples of how automation has enhanced or, you know, streamlined the grading process for you as an educator? Yeah. So like I said, I, I kind of only grade my mastery checks and the my summative tests, which are typically multiple choice for me. Um, I teach anatomy and physiology right now. And so I also do like lab practicals and stuff like that. Um, but on the test side, I do like to use formative for my tests and their, their like original test is multiple choice. And so Using formative helps me, one, be able to turn that around really quickly so that I have more opportunities for students to be able to do revisions and retakes on their tests and they have the opportunity to continue learning from it and show their mastery um, after the test too. But I also like that formative, not a plug for formative, I just like it. Um, <laughs> we, did it as, we did a whole episode on formative back in May, so it's okay. Talk all about it. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I like that it has the like live tracking feature. So I can kind of like if I have students who need a little bit of extra support, um, I can kind of like give them those those tips on questions and it's not visible to everybody. And um, I can kind of help break things down that way. And then, like I said, since it's like faster to turn around with the multiple choice grading, I actually do my retake tests as short answer. So I feel like that gives me the time to like, and less students typically retake than take their original test, hopefully, if I'm doing my job right. Um, so, so I think that gives me the time to actually focus and give students opportunities to continue their demonstrating their mastery after the summative test as well, where I maybe wouldn't if I was trying to grade short answer tests constantly and you know, not getting that first test done quickly. Yeah. And form- formative is a, is a great tool just overall, even if you're not doing multiple choice. Um, and if you're curious and want to learn more about formative, we actually did do an episode um, back in May um, on formative. So feel free to listen to that because um, it really is a great tool and it really can help, um, you know, with, with grading in the classroom. So yeah, thank you so much for mentioning formative. Um, it's always nice to hear when people are using it. Yeah. Um, so in what situations do you believe that teacher grading is, you know, actually essential and that, you know, maybe we shouldn't be replacing it with automation? I was thinking about this and I think it's kind of a hard balance because it's kind of like how you use the automated grading and the data that you get from it. Like my gut instinct is to say like, oh, kind of like you mentioned before, like if it's like short answer or if it's more like conceptual, like I want to have eyes on that and be giving feedback because I feel like I'm the expert. Um, But I was also thinking about it earlier that like if I'm getting data and if I'm using like tracking it and actually like understanding it, maybe it is like still short answer informative or something like that. I think it can still be really useful. Um, I definitely personally like to grade myself the summative and like my mastery checks. I do all one-on-one conferences with students because I feel like I need to do that in order to understand where my students are at. Um, But I think there's a lot of room for like teacher discretion here of like what data is most valuable to the teacher and how like your brain works in terms of tracking student progress and stuff. I think too, sometimes with automation, it's like really easy for you know, kids in our class to just become a number, you know, we're letting the system do all this stuff. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier about you're not necessarily tracking their progress. You know, if we're always letting the Google form or the formative, you know, grade the work. I get the score. Yes. But I feel like sometimes when I'm actually myself taking the time to like look at their work and look at the wording of their work and things like that, I actually can learn a lot more sometimes about them and what they know more than the correct answer that they give me. So yeah, totally. I feel like you just made me think of like the the automated grading can kind of check like accuracy and like, oh, did you use the right vocab word or whatnot? But I feel like when I'm grading short answers and stuff, there's so much more than just the correct answer in the student response. Like based on how they phrase something, I can tell like, oh, like that looks like you got that answer off of Google or like um, this one looks like exactly like your friends. Like, are you relying on other resources? Cause you're not understanding, or I feel like I can get a lot more about their progress than whether it's just, yes, you know it or no, you don't. Yeah, I agree. Um, so listeners, we're going to take a quick break announcement with all the opportunities we have for you this upcoming week. And we will be right back to learn a little bit more about Sarah's experiences. Hey there, listeners. It's Zach. We have three learning experiences happening this coming week to tell you about. On Monday, September 25th, 
Our Shades of Excellence meeting is at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you identify as an educator of color and want to connect with other educators of color, you can join on Tuesday, September 26th. One of our expert mentors is hosting a webinar on the science of reading and MCP at 6 p.m. Eastern time. On Thursday, September 28th at 6 p.m. Eastern, we've partnered up with Cami and we will be hosting a webinar to learn more about how to use Cami in your modern classroom. And you can register for all three of these events using the links that we've provided in the show notes. All right, let's get back into it. So Sarah, earlier you mentioned a little bit about, you know, how you used feedback in the classroom. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you get students to receive your feedback and, you know, use it in a way that doesn't just feel like you're wasting your time writing words on a sheet of paper? Yeah, so I kind of split my feedback into the automated stuff. So like I said, their Google form, you know, text for understanding warmups. Um, play pause it, interactive questions. And then for my lessons and like their notes, um, their must-dos, I don't actually give them grades for that in the gradebook, but I post keys. So I have resources available for them to like self-access feedback, I guess, um, and be checking. And I think that that gives them an opportunity to, if I'm teaching them to use it correctly, um, like prompt for questions and see if they're understanding so that they can engage in the learning. And then the other way that I like to give feedback is really the mastery checks. And when I grade my mastery checks, I do it in class and I kind of like, I go sit next to the kid and I read through it with them and I ask a lot of questions and I use that as an opportunity to give oral feedback. And then if they like can add on information, I'll, I'll scribe for them on the mastery check so that I can kind of document what they're telling me. And I think just one, being able to have a conversation with my kids is huge for relationships, especially for kids who don't love coming to school, just knowing that I'm there to like talk to them and I can be like, how's your day going before we dive into content is super powerful. But I also really think that by not just immediately putting a number on the page, they're actually listening to me and, and want to learn hopefully um so they're not just like oh I got a four out of five like check done next um and so it kind of forces them to like pay attention to how they're doing and I find that super valuable as a teacher and I think that just even doing it in small pieces with mastery checks makes them want to get that same type of feedback on say like a test where they are getting a number, but I have more kids than ever who are like, I want to see the test or like, I just want to know what I got wrong. Or um, for example, with the retake process with my tests, I have a lot of asked them because I wondered like, are you doing retakes because you want a better grade or like, does it actually help you learn? And a lot of the kids are honest and they're like, well, part of it's that I want a better grade, but I also think I learn a lot in the process that I wouldn't have if I didn't engage in that or like if we didn't have that kind of community of feedback in the class. And I think the mastery-based part of Modern Classrooms is what allows for a lot of that feedback in that format. And so what recommendations would you give to teachers that are, you know, that might struggle with the feedback piece of things? You know, how can they you know, do this, you know, outside of knowing their students, what are some other actionable things that they might be able to do to, um, you know, be a little bit better about giving feedback to their kids and having their kids receive said feedback? Yeah, I was listening. I think it was actually a 
or previous podcasts that talked about feedback, and I'm going to just totally pull from that, but I think they said that like good feedback is timely and quick, and then it gives kids like actions or things to improve on. And I'm sure there's lots of research on like what makes good feedback, but that's kind of what I try to do in terms of giving feedback is like, I feel like the more busy I get and if I get behind on grading mastery checks, it's not as valuable to kids. So I try really hard to do that quickly. And for me, like at some point, sometimes I had to reduce the size of my mastery checks. So I was doing like finding the most important questions to ask to see if they were understanding instead of trying to do, you know, five smaller ones. Like I was okay if I didn't hit every single little vocab word, if they were able to explain a big idea to me. Um, And then I think also like when I have those conversations, I try to be really intentional during mastery check conversations about like, hey, you did a really good job. We're learning about the skeletal system right now. So I'm going to give that example. Um, You did a really good job listing the different types of bone cells, but you haven't really connected um, to, you know, the overall function of the skeletal system. And so I try to have that balance of like positives, what they're doing, and then like where they can go to for growth. And also I feel like it's important not to just like leave them hanging with the self-paced aspect of the model. Like, I don't want to just be like, Hey, you got that wrong. Like go check your notes. Um, so I try to be really intentional about circling back to kids and being like, Hey, did you find that piece? Or like, do you need a, a little reteach now? Um, and then I think kind of also with your question about giving feedback on, I'm taking it as on mastery checks. Um, I found that it wasn't easy at first. Um, I'm definitely not an expert on it now still, but I think as you kind of get used to giving feedback in that way, like orally and and conversations, if that's what you choose to do with the model, you kind of get better at like figuring out what those misconceptions are and then what questions you can ask to get at those misconceptions and see if kids are really getting things. So I I haven't like written out formal questions that I use, but I do kind of have like a mental bank of questions that I can rely on to prompt kids and dig deeper to see if they're understanding things. So even with, you know, the automated grading, like Google Forms might be automatically grading your mastery checks, you still take the time to sit down and talk to the students to get them to kind of understand what the score means? Or can you talk a little bit more about that? Like how you use the feedback with the automated grading, um, which kind of seems like inverses of each other, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my mastery checks are short answer and on paper. So they're okay. they're writing out their answers and I'm giving them feedback orally just in class. But I think where that, what your kind of question gets at is comes in with my, like how I do my multiple choice tests a little bit more. Okay. So with that process, they're taking the multiple choice test on formative, they get a score back. And then the feedback on their test is they have to do a revision sheet. And it's basically just like, what question did you get wrong? What did you say? What's the correct answer? And then have them explain why. And like, they have to say what notes they found it from. And so a lot of times when they come in to to do that process with me, I think the the automated grading helps get that feedback to them quickly. And like we kind of talked about the advantages of it um, so that I have then the time to sit down with them and be like, okay, let's focus on why. Or like you said that you knew what that word meant, but like you still got this question wrong. So were you trying to go too fast or, um, you know, did you not know another word? So it kind of helps me, like gives me that quick feedback so that I can help dig deeper into the why they got things wrong or give them more, I don't know, deeper feedback, if that kind of makes sense. And so how do you communicate the value of, you know, this approach that you're using to grading? 
um, to students and parents to ensure transparency and that parents, especially more than anything as the people not in the room, that they're also understanding, mm-hmm. you know, how their students grade is determined. I think it's super important that parents understand what's going on in the classroom, especially because this can be a really different model than what most parents have probably experienced in school. And I would say that just like right off the bat, I think my students in general have a better understanding of their progress and their grade per se in class. And so they're actually able to communicate that better with their parents because they have more control over their grades and what they're doing. Like they can be like, oh, hey, like I need to take that mastery check still. So that's going to be a missing in the grade book for now or Um, You know, I did that mastery check, but we went, we talked about it today and I'm going to go retake it tomorrow. So I feel like I actually feel less questions from parents about grades um, now that I've switched this model, which is really nice. Um, And I also, I don't know that I communicate necessarily about the difference between how I grade versus what is like automated grading, but I definitely have like back to school night and stuff like that where I get to explain the mastery based piece of things. And I think just explaining why I'm doing it to parents that I'm trying to give students an opportunity to learn from their mistakes and that the revision process isn't just like, oh, you get a second chance. Like there's actually some work built into to learning from the mistakes and showing that like proof of understanding before they get to retry. Um, I've always found that parents are pretty receptive to that once you kind of sit down and talk to them about it um, and their kids feel confident talking about it too. Have you seen any changes in, you know, student success rate with, you know, teacher graded tasks versus automation graded tasks? So I haven't like done a study or anything um, comparing grades. And I, I think there's also a big shift with mastery based in terms of just like overall grades. But I would say that I feel like my grades now are more accurate of what students actually know. Um, and I think that reducing the grading of like lessons and practice reduces the opportunity or like maybe the need for kids to feel like they have to cheat just to get something done. And I think it kind of allows students to learn and build that kind of intrinsic motivation for learning of like, hey, my my lessons and my notes aren't graded, but I didn't do so hot on the mastery check or the test. And so I think like next unit, I'm going to go back and do more practices. And so it might not be like immediate success, but I think overall it helps teach them those like executive functioning skills and kind of like helps them build those real world skills that I hope they can transfer outside of my class. And I think just like feedback in general, um, whether it's teacher graded or automated graded um, helps helps students build their confidence and gets them more engaged in their learning. And I think that's, that's really success to me um, more than just like what the number in the grade book is. And okay. So I know with automated grading, there are like lots of options that you can do, you know, when students, you know, complete the work, you can add feedback to questions. You can also have it where like when they turn it in, it shows them all the answers um, it'll, or it'll, you can have it turned on where it shows them what they got wrong, but it doesn't show them what the actual answer is. What is your philosophy on this? Do you show them the answers? Do you have them, you know, figure out the answers? I know you said you're doing a lot of the automated for tests and whatnot, but in other cases, are you providing answers to students? I'm just curious to know kind of what your method is, um, when it comes to like automating. So for, like my Google form warmups, those are just like the self-graded Google form quizzes. And those I do provide the correct answers for them because it's like earlier in their learning and I want them to 
be able to know what the correct answer is um, so they can like fix it as they go. And then same thing with my like play posit interactive questions during videos. Um, if I'm on top of my planning and I have extra time, I try to add the correct answers in there. Um, but sometimes just workload, that doesn't always happen. But I think even just having um, like I try to add feedback in is what I'm saying, but I don't always get to that. But I think just even having the correct answers marked is really important. So during the like formative learning process, they're able to see what they got wrong and then what the correct answer is. Um, I don't know if this is actually true, but I feel like I read a study that testing and like multiple choice, like recall is really good for that sort of thing. But only if you do give the correct answer afterwards, because if you don't like give kids the opportunity to get the correct answer, they, they actually like build more misconceptions because they think that they got the right answer or something. So I don't know, again, if that's true, I might just be like making things up right now, but <laughs> I, th- I do think it's important to um, make sure that kids know what the correct answer is for that, like during the learning process. And then on like the testing and like the retake side, that's when I require them to go back to their notes or have conversations with me. I want them to be more engaged in finding that answer. So I don't give them the correct answer for like the summatives. Um, they have to find that in their notes and make the connections to like, oh, I got that one wrong. And that was from lesson seven, but oh, I didn't do lesson seven fully. So like, maybe that's why I didn't understand it. Um, and that sort of thing, if that makes sense. Um, so what, what do you hope to see in the future? Or what goals do you have? In terms of grading, just kind of cool things that I want to try. I, I know this is super maybe trendy, but ChatGPT has a lot of really cool resources and things that it can do for teachers. I was talking to a colleague the other day who put in a rubric that she had created for chat into ChatGPT and, and told it that she was going to put in a bunch of student responses. And then she did. And for every student response that she put in, ChatGPT had like graded it on the rubric and then gave like a areas of growth, like feedback area, which is just like insanely crazy if that works to me. Um, And I think kind of like we mentioned earlier, it's like, yes, I still want to get eyes on a lot of things, but if maybe students could use that, right? Like they paste in the rubric and then they paste in their writing and it has, they give feedback from ChatGPT too. Like, I think there's a lot of really cool AI things coming to help kids get feedback and to help us give more effective feedback. Um, so that's not something I've done yet, but I'm really excited to start playing with that. Um, Chat GBT is very interesting. Um, it actually, yeah, it, it like we practiced at work the other day. We had a whole professional development about the use of Chat GPT and how we handle it with kids. But I say all that to say we did some like playing around with it and it wrote a whole lesson plan for me. I literally said, please write me a lesson plan, like make me a project you know, for sixth graders about birding and using the scientific method. And it made a whole lesson plan. Um, and it wasn't bad. It was a pretty good lesson plan. It's like, my goodness. So I say all that to say your dream of using chat GPT and giving feedback, telling you it is on the horizon. And um, it's a little freaky, but yeah, you should definitely play around with it. I'm always yeah. fascinated with what chat GPT can put together. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. No, I agree. Definitely, definitely freaky, but really cool if it if it works. I feel like, yeah, I think I think Chat Chat, chat GPT will definitely take a automation to the next level for sure. Um, as it gets smarter, uh, we'll see what's on the horizon. Um, how can um our listeners connect with you should they want to be in contact? Sure. Um, I'm 
kind of not super active on social media, but if anybody wants to contact me, they're very welcome to email me. Um, my email is Sarah with an H dot Hauer, H O W E R at modernclassrooms.org. Um, yeah, I'm happy to chat if anybody has questions. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your experiences and expertise. Listeners, remember you can always email us at podcast at modernclassrooms.org and you can find the show notes for this episode at podcast.modernclassrooms.org forward slash 158. We'll have this episode's recap and transcript uploaded to the Modern Classrooms blog on Friday, so be sure to check there or check back here in the show notes for this episode if you'd like to access those. Thank you all for listening. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org And you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj, that's P-R-O-J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Podcast.